You're listening to a social justice podcast hosted by Nicholas Sperling, brought to you by The Flag Shop, and inspired by a social justice coloring book. Hello, this is a social justice podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Sperling, and today I'm joined by Fred Sufi and Jimmy Yan for a conversation about xenophobia. Uh, Fred, can you start by introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Fred Farhat Sufi. I'm originally from Iran, which I emigrated to Canada in 1972, and uh, uh, very much involved in social justice. Amnesty International has been involved for the past 45 years as a member. My focus has been uh, just society, for, so everybody has a comfortable life without being discriminated, and uh, with Amnesty International, again, my focus has been uh, the right of the human being, which in different countries, they are in prisons or being tortured because of their belief. You know, for example, in Iran, you're talking about Baha'is, or the people who believe in different political systems, and they People have been arrested, put in jail, sometimes executed, some, you know, many times tortured. So I tried to bring that to attention of the people in Canada and everywhere else, so they can work toward better world. You know, that generally that's what I can say. And First Nation, you know, I lived in Saskatchewan. I had a really good relation with the First Nation. I understand them. Even um, I came from. Uh, country 52 years ago, which they did not really, we didn't know myself very much about the First Nation, but when I came here, uh, because I used to Saskatchewan, I got to know them more and to know their culture, and, and uh, now I have really good friends and good relationships. Wonderful. Thank you for joining today for this discussion. And Jimmy, can you introduce right. yourself? Nicholas, and thanks for having us, and also me. Uh, I'm the treasurer of Vancouver Asian Heritage Month Society. And uh, meanwhile, I'm also a commentator on Fairchild Radio and TV Media Group. Uh, and uh, I'm the Information Officer of Access Pro Bono Society, which facilitates free legal consultation in BC. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you for joining as well. So to start off every podcast, we try to get an understanding of what the subject is that we're talking about. And today the topic is obviously xenophobia. Are you able to explain what xenophobia is sort of at a base level? I would say xenophobia by definition, which means like uh, you reject and then outsiders and uh, someone who's uh, not deemed as us. And uh, so therefore that person is not welcome. I think this is in a very plain way. You know, that's my understanding or definition of xenophobia. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, I think that that was my understanding as well going into this. Uh, but we've also done a podcast episode on racism. So are you able to touch on the differences between racism and xenophobia? I think they're very, it is very, very difficult to distinct these two from each other. Mm -hmm. And I believe many people, uh, they think they both the same because the thing is, phobia because of your color uh, your color of the skin, your accent, your your originality of the country you're coming, your sexual orientation, you know, all of these, if you are discriminated and you're not treated same as anybody else, like white, black, First Nation, Middle Eastern, 
that's what it is. And I, I mm -hmm. think, you know, that needs more education. And especially uh, my understanding is when the people are having hardship, economic hardship, more toward this, in a sense, you know, they're coming, let's say, foreigners are coming, taking or jobs. This is not true. Or, or with COVID, you know, like that came from China, you know, like I mean, before was so much about the people with, the, with the, that oriental shape, you know, like their, their figure. Right. So and, uh, treating yeah. people differently because of um, so, what others see, I guess. I think I there's, mean, there's, there's, I think I there's think a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, my, I mean, I don't know. My that's my my understanding. Is maybe what is your understanding yourself? Um, uh, I would I probably would say there's a subtle difference there, and then mm -hmm. because by, based on my observation, also my daily work, and I would say nowadays Vancouver, particularly like mid age and also the young generation, very accommodating, right? And mm -hmm. also people wouldn't judge you by your look. I doubt that. Uh, I don't think that's the case. But but once you open your mouth and if you see, oh, that person speaks with accent, mm. and then the attitude can be different. Mm -hmm. So I would say if there is a xenophobic kind of a behavior, that is not necessarily based on race, but based on your uh, behavior and that which behavior is acceptable or is more a common sense in Canada, in British Columbia, in this context. So I would say there's a subtle difference. For instance, you wouldn't look at an Asian and say, oh, the person must wear masks. Not anymore. Because it's very mixed uh, currently. Because if you have health uh, conditions, you you should wear a mask, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, but however, if you're healthy, then you shouldn't. Then that's a uh, uh, self determination and, uh, and your own choice. But however, if you do see a person wear a mask, and then you probably would there's something come up with your judgment and say. Oh, that person probably is a little bit like, you know, overly sensitive and that thing. So that follows, but that's a behavior thing. It's mm -hmm. not a race and skin color thing. Right. That, that's my, you know, my observation. Yeah. Right. So these judgments based on the way someone talks, the way someone exactly. looks, the way, yeah. the actions that someone yes. takes, those types of things. Uh, and the best way to prevent it is education. Mm -hmm. And education from early ages, from school to, uh, Prevented. Uh, so, and sometimes people who are coming from from uh, who are newcomers from different culture, different they should sometimes they they cause without themselves to know mm -hmm. toward racist. I bring you example. You know, example. Mm -hmm. Let's say uh, older couple, Canadian couple, with uh, with the older Chevy, a recent car, are driving. Mm -hmm. They they are very careful how to stop. They're careful not to speed, not mm -hmm. to you know, really good driver. And then there is a, a gentleman, young, twenty-two years person. Looking either is from Middle East or from Orient, you know, from China, or you know, like they look different. They are not, you know, like you can recognize them, mm -hmm. which is they're not. They are driving. They are having a hundred twenty thousand dollars BMW convertible. Mm -hmm. They are smoking, you know. They have a loud music, their their radio, mm -hmm. and they are smoking a cigarette, and then. 
they're throwing a cigarette butt outside. This older mm -hmm. Canadian, which is care about their country, who are they? That's not their fault either. That's not the fault of the young gentleman, which is from where. Because he has brought up that way in his own country. He cannot quit. You know what I'm, you, you, I don't know, you get what I'm like the cultural differences. The, the cultural differences, so education is only. If that older couple are educated, see, this doesn't mean anything. It just he is because even though I was never taught to not throw cigarette butt outside, he was not told to don't put your set outside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he had brought up like that. You know, even he wants it, it's just hard to control when you get used to something. Mm -hmm. And then to that young gentleman, Say this is Canada, you know, so you can't just do these things, you know, try not to do this. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and I, I would what imagine... What I'm trying to say, education is main thing. Yeah, education right. is part of communicating, but how do you communicate that, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, this is not probably acceptable in Canada, or we encourage you to endorse a better behavior in Canada. How do you say that to that, you know, young, you know, gentleman? Education, right? you know... Uh, uh, something like that, you mm -hmm. know, if they hear something, you know, like, I mean, education toward uh, social media, toward, you know, we are not spending any much about education. Right. And I suppose one of the issues or with that... prevention. Right. You know, prevention in every sector is much better than cure. Mm -hmm. In healthcare, if you educate people, spend money to prevent people becoming sick, then your cost of healthcare comes down a lot because you are preventing. But if you don't prevent, well, people, you know what I mean? Yeah. So prevention is always much better than cure. Yes, absolutely. It's always easier to try to prevent things than to try to solve them after a problem's arisen. And I suppose, um, you know, we have, we need to talk about how we can educate those people, but also, uh, it seems like those types of situations might result in, in your example, that older couple looking at this person going, this is a reflection of what, you know, this type of person does. And then that just fuels that xenophobia. Yeah. They create these assumptions affect, in their minds. And affect everybody from that, you know, all the immigrants, all the newcomers, they say, oh, they're coming here to, to. I mean, there have been, you know, like when in, uh, in hard economic time, I, I remember like talk about 30 years ago, I had an interview saying, you know, when they come, they say, oh, these people are coming, taking our job. Hmm. I mean, they're coming here, Taking a job which you are not that time, where you are not taking janitor, cleaner, you know, nurse. So mm -hmm. they are, you know, they are coming to help you, right? Not to taking your job. Oh, they are talking these people coming here to take my job because you don't have a job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you have a job, if you have money, you never think that way, right? But it is because you are in a hard time. You know, having a hard time, you think these people are the one causing it. Mm -hmm. You don't think about. Economic situation in a world you don't think about. You know, there's so much other things affect. Right. But, but that's a great point because that was like in the 90s, right? And then 30 years ago or even the 80s. And then, but that context is the employment rate or unemployment rate would probably was higher. And now the employment rate is much better, in mm -hmm. like relative speaking. So therefore, the xenophobic kind of a behavior nowadays is not necessarily is very, um, 
um, kind of, um, you know, related to employment or people wouldn't say like you come here to actually take our jobs. So that's a subtle kind of a right, uh, interesting observation. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on, which you brought up already, is the shift in uh, xenophobia or, or how uh, Asian people in particular are viewed since COVID mm. began. Um, in the work that you've done with your organization, the Vancouver Asian Heritage Month Society, mm -hmm. Have you noticed uh, a significant shift in terms of uh, the work that you're now doing or um, in terms of people's perceptions of you over, over the years? Not on, it, on our, like on myself, I'm speaking about myself and my experience. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, what I can say is probably people surrounding me and then colleagues, they're more sensible on that matter and uh um but however i do recognize like depending on where you work and uh, your environment and you probably uh in for instance if you uh nearly uh you know landed in in british columbia and then at that moment so you you may encounter individual and an anecdotal kind of experience and you may have like which is the opposite interpretation like what Fred said it's when you uh, hear something or see something then you may interpret it as um is a hospitality or this is more like a hospitality and then mm -hmm. so i give you an example for instance a person drives a car and then the person drives by and the car person used this as you know hands kind of a signal or something and then which is not offensive this is basically saying, i like your car right and this is cool and right, right yeah and but you know then you can tell if the person like the driver who's a chinese and i just say like an asian then probably is not familiar with how to differentiate you know this and that and which it has you know middle finger or something and then right. then that moment that person was quite uh nervous and uh so uh i'm talking about real uh instance and then but happens like i'm uh you know sitting i was sitting beside that person so i explained like okay cool cool and then that that means you know and you have a cool car and that person mm -hmm. probably just like your car or for some reason this, this is not offensive yeah. right yeah and we were also talking uh, before this podcast began about how people's perception of you as an Asian person changes depending on your appearance as well. Uh, Fred, you were mentioning that people often don't view you as being Asian, so mm -hmm. you didn't experience um, some of the hate that maybe other people had experienced Not during me, that COVID situation. The is, there, is a, there is a good story actually in Kokalo happened, maybe but in newspaper, and I know Gina. So Gina is a, a girl from Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, she... And she was at Lafresh Park in Kogalong, walking in the time of COVID. And two people, they just start attacking her verbally. Mm -hmm. You guys brought it, you, you know, like, mm -hmm. just like, thing. Mm -hmm. uh, she was kind of so upset, you know, they're crying. And, and these people were just like, younger people too. Right? So you guys are bringing this trouble to country, you know, COVID. So then she started uh, talking to some other Asians, some other community, and they started a dumpling festival in Kukello. Oh, so that's, that's what sparked it. it. Okay. Yeah. Dumpling festival to fundraise, to do the educate people, to do Hawaii Asian. And the last year, you know, we helped her, you know, it was very successful, and it's going to happen this year too. 
Fantastic. So see, the thing is, it's something bad, but she started, and now it's one of the biggest in Kukalong. Right. Lots of people come, different food. You know, they bring different Asian food, different, you know, like, I mean, these are the things. You like Asian food, but you don't like Asian look. You know why? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, just like whole thing. And I said, most important education, nothing can change the people except education. Mm-hmm. And no matter yeah. what, I think that's very, you know, y- unique and then not universal. Uh, I, that, that, that's not what I actually feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of the, uh, this podcast is being filmed around Canada Day. Yeah. So one of the uh, questions I have for you is around Canada Day specifically, and if you think um, the focus on nationalism contributes to xenophobia? Oh, no. No? I don't think so. But myself, I, as a person who has been here since I was 21 and I'm now 73, I, I feel like obligated type of thing to educate other people toward Canada. Mm-hmm. Because again, many of these newcomers which had been here for, not even new, like had been here for 10, 15 years, they don't know much about Canada. They don't know political system of Canada. They don't know history of the Canada. They don't know First Nation. They don't, you know, and they haven't been anywhere else except, let's say, they emigrated to Vancouver. And maybe they went to California and, you know, go to United States, to Las Vegas. You know, they haven't seen Newfoundland, New Brunswick. Maybe they go to Toronto or Montreal, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about when they, their comment is about Canada. And sometimes I, I go to this discussion in a, in a social media. Like in Canada, I came here because it was, uh, they said, you know, it's a good life, they think this, this, you know, oh, it's not, you know. Uh, so I said, then you say Canada, what do you mean of Canada? Mm-hmm. Like which Have area of Canada? Anywhere in Canada, you know where the Moose Jaw is, you know where the North Bay is, you know where the Timmins, Ontario is. You know, you're like it, you, and you talk about Canada. This is Canada too. You mm-hmm. don't know about Canada, so mm-hmm. don't get your judgment about Canada. Oh, there is no job, very expensive, Vancouver, very expensive. Yes, it should not mm-hmm. be expensive. But I said, okay, you want me to send you somewhere which you can, they can give you even free house. Education, the grade nine, same as here, maybe better. Family doctor, you can find it better. Family doctor, but no hospital, no specialist, no, you know. Mm-hmm. But, oh, where is it? He said, yes, you can have a job too. But you have to realize winter time will be sometimes 40 below. Oh, mm. so cold. I said, yes, so cold. What? This is the Canada too. You know? Right. So don't expect to be in Vancouver. I mean, I think should be good for everybody. But don't think, you know, Vancouver is a Vancouver. Uh, other days, I was looking at the uh, cities in Canada, most expensive and most cheaper. Mm-hmm. Most expensive was Vancouver and most cheapest from 10 cities. Mm-hmm. Most cheapest was Regina. And okay. I lived there for 30 years. Mm-hmm. In Regina? In Regina. Mm-hmm. I, and still I miss Regina because I built friend there, I had my business there, I, you know, yeah, 40 degrees sometimes below, so, but you get used to it. Right. You, what I'm trying to say is both ways. It's important for newcomers if, to have an understanding you, yeah. of Like if that Canada. newcomers, 
and come to talk to uh, people from wherever. Oh, Canada, I came here thinking, you know, I mean, Canada is no good. So that person gets, kind of, you know, my country. Mm-hmm. Sure, it can be a thing, but why did you come here if you did that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, we go back to education. I think you have to educate both sides. Mm-hmm. But education, you cannot really indoctrinate, basically force people to learn, right? So I'll give you some empirical studies we did. Um, I mean, we at Access Pro Bono, so we interviewed all these clients who sought, that's many years ago, all immigration services. But not necessarily they're not Canadian. Like, uh, they don't have to be immigrants because they may uh, sponsor spouses right and then so and there are variety of matters so 85 percent of them they are immigrants themselves so we interview them and then randomly like select uh samples so we found that uh, immigrants came to canada in like on average seven years on average seven years they only had like that time on average 3.5 friends in canada we have a definition not someone like you can phone back to like your home country mm-hmm. right and then you can just share your experience your story your sadness and it's someone locally like you know that you can share your experience and and uh, uh, even seek for assistance and then so that's on average seven years but on average 3.5 that means like over seven years every two years they got one friend in canada so it's not i'm talking about facts and data here Mm -hmm. i'm not putting like judgment and then is that too slow but whose fault right and then so i think both sides immigrants and then uh the canadian society and then i think it's I think so far, uh, the day before the Canadian, Canada Day or on Canada Day, I think we have made some good progress in Canada. I have to say, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, uh, I think immigrants they enjoy and also appreciate the environment and the hospitality, and also very accommodating country, and that you know, uh, generally speaking, adopts them, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, most people which I know from. For example, Middle, from Iran, you know, because many people coming from Iran now, there is, uh, when I came in 1972, there was hardly any here. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, latest statistics show there are 500,000 in Canada. Wow. 500,000 wow. is a huge number. Mm-hmm. So, huge number in a, uh, you know, from China, from, you know, they're coming. Yeah. They're ca- uh, coming to uh, Canada. And, uh, so it is very important to to have a, a kind of a country. First of all, you know, I will say from Iran, most of the people who came from Iran, they are educated, middle class type of, you know, they were professional, they had a good life there, you know, uh, they weren't even associated regime, but they were a good life. Mm-hmm. They came here. They won't have that life here for the beginning because you, you know, you have to, if you're a doctor, you have to go to all the exam, your engineer. Anyway, so for a while they have, so, but they say, oh, I said, why did you come here? If you come, because there was no democracy there. You could not express yourself. So you came here, at least enjoy what they're offering in Canada. You can challenge your politician. It's mm-hmm. not like there you challenge, you go to jail. Here you can exercise that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Exercise your freedom of expression, which here some of them, they, they, they are still used to the old system. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to tell them, enjoy it, because when you get to this, 
when you get uh, uh, the element of democracy, you will so much enjoy it. For myself, I enjoy that more than anything else. Right. I, anything. And I'll that's why you're you, so involved yeah, in politics. Yeah, I'll tell politics. you one thing. You know, maybe that's not the subject, but my first job when I came here as 21 years old was dishwasher mm -hmm. in a hotel. I was a dishwasher. But I had to build me, didn't have money anyway. And today, I have, in age of 73, I have a comfortable life. I have my own house. I have, you know, good income, live very well. Mm -hmm. Now, if they gave me two choices, hard to believe, but this is what they give me. They say, we take, yes, we say, they say, you go to Iran, and Iran will give you everything you want. Best house, best uh, money, whatever you want, best car. But you cannot express no interference in politics, no opinion, no, you know, just you have to shut and enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you stay in Canada, but we take everything you had till now, we take it away. Mm -hmm. To live, you have to go be a dishwasher again. Which one you choose? Believe me, I will choose to be a dishwasher mm -hmm. because I know I'm so much used to express myself, to be involved, to, you know, uh, challenge politicians, you know, talk to politicians. I mean, which if I go to Iran, I, if I'm shot, not, cannot express myself, die. You know, right. so what I'm trying to say, get used to this freedom which you have here. That's message to newcomers. Right. So I don't know, I mean, maybe it's not the subject of all conversation, but... No, I think it's an important conversation to have, and, and I appreciate understanding a little bit more why you're so involved in politics, because we've crossed paths when it comes to politics I mean, in the past. Because I want, you know, that doesn't, you know, I will challenge, because for a good life of people, but everybody should have more just, more, you know, I mean, but you have to know the system. Mm -hmm. You can't just say something which, you know, I know the system, I know that, uh, you know, uh, should be much better tax system, so we mm -hmm. can tax the rich guy and you know you know what I mean like it has to be a system which is just for everybody and mm -hmm. then you can see it yeah absolutely so, so with somewhat of an understanding of sort of the uh, where you both stand on on this issue what got you involved in Vancouver Asian Heritage Month Society like what is the work that you're doing uh, what brought you to the organization why are you passionate about it I think that's a good question, which may, you know, answer the previous question, which is the nationalism, right? And mm -hmm. then is that compatible? And then I would say uh, it's multiculturalism, which uh, very well, uh, um, you know, attracts me. And then, but however, I understand that for many communities, and when you have a half a million, uh, community that's strong and large enough, and and also for Chinese, there's 1.7 in Canada million and then mm -hmm. uh, over 500 I think thousand in just BC alone right so um, but they may have like that's why I have been uh, collaborating with Fairchild Media and uh, for over 15 years since 2008 but they have been in Vancouver since uh, I think they have been here for 25 years, right? So, mm -hmm. and so that means they have this voice. They, they, they have the channel, they have even TV stations, but not necessarily for every small community. 
So it's an opportunity that you can offer and help these uh, uh, communities to actually nurture their own culture, right? And then uh, culture w w cannot grow just by themselves and say, hey, just, you know, and we're not supporting you, but you can, uh, you're well by yourself. No, you have to support them, give them opportunities, and also give uh, uh, artists, uh, painters, dancers, and the performers in the stage. So that's what Vancouver Asian Heritage Month actually society attracted me in the first place. So this is my fourth year, and I have two more years, then I will retire from the the board. So um, is actually the short answer to give a voiceless a voice and then to give those artists, uh, particularly artists, and actually a stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I can relate to a lot of that passion when it comes to the boards that I serve on yeah. as well. I think that's um, anyone who volunteers on a board is, is driven in some capacity. Yeah. So I appreciate learning about how you got involved, and, and Fred, how did you get involved? Um, so I'm on a board, I've uh, been for four years now, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> five years, I don't remember. And one, mm -hmm. one, one of the reasons was because I saw most focus on Asian is this part of Asia, like China, Korea, mm -hmm. you know, which Asia, nobody knows, for example, Iran is part of Asia. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows Tajikistan is part of Asia. Yeah. Uh, Gorgistan is part of Asia. Afghanistan is Asia. Part of Turkey is Asia. You know, like Asia. You're talking about Asia. Mm -hmm. So I came to bring this together so we have better understanding of Asian culture, not just one part. Right. And bring them together to close. So Asia is. Asia, you know, like talk about Asia, not talk about one part of Asia, you talk about the continent, which is one of the biggest. Yeah, right. Because you often do hear people making assumptions that Asia just includes China, Korea, and Japan, essentially, exactly. right? Exactly. I mean, when you talk about, for example, Iran, they think it's the Middle East. It's not Middle East. <laughs> you know, they think it's Arab country. It's not Arab country. Mm -hmm. It's an Asian country. So, I mean, no way. Or Afghanistan. You know what I mean? So, this is better understanding of where the Asia is, what the culture is, how different this culture is, how can you bring together as, as an Asian culture. Mm -hmm. so that was. But I, I do have a question for Nicholas, you, you because, yes. because I, I'm an Asian, so I'm sensitive, like sensible, like Asian, what Asians in, entail, right? Mm -hmm. But when you use the word Asian, are you referring to East Asian only or it's more general? If I'm saying Asian, yeah. I'm, I'm referring to all okay. of Asia. Okay. Um, cool. yeah. But I, I think this is a really important conversation to have because in my conversations with other people about Asia, it does seem like there's a very limited okay. scope of, of um, which countries constitute Asia. And I think you're right. A lot of people wouldn't think Iran is part of Asia. That's uh, I, I, Honestly, this is the first time I've had a conversation about Iran being Part of Asia, yeah, so I mean, other countries like Tajikistan, Afghanistan, mm. part of Turkey, you know, like yeah. Turkey is in two, you know, part of Europe, part of Asia, so mm -hmm. the only country. So what I mean is, so Asia is uh, you know, so better understanding of Asia when. Right. I, I was also watching a video recently about uh, indigenous people in uh, within Russia. And how they're Asian yeah. as well, and yeah. and right. that they often don't get viewed as being Asian because they're either viewed as Russian or they're viewed as indigenous, and they're not considered to be part of that right. geographical region. Have you 
personally had experience with xenophobia or is your primary experience with it um, stories not, that you've heard from other not people? Me at all. No? Maybe because I don't, you know, maybe because I, I have accent, but I don't look Asian. Right. Uh, I mean, and I have Italian restaurants, so most people think I'm Italian. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not Italian. <laughs> I have Italian food. No, right. no Italian. So, I mean, yeah, no, and no, not really. I haven't. I have mm -hmm. not experienced, so I cannot tell you I have. But I've seen some people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have seen some people, how can I say? Uh, because they come from different country. They just, even the act is not any racist, only any, but they think this is racist. I bring the example of, uh, you know, again, some time ago. In, there was a Iranian student girl, you know, I'm talking about 35 years ago, came to Regina for work, and then she was going back to Montreal. She came from Montreal, she was going back. Mm -hmm. So she had like five suitcases. And uh, when we went to train station, she was going back to train. They wanted to charge for extra luggage. Mm. But she said, no, they are charging me because I'm from Iran. Nothing to do with that. You know, like, I mean, there's nothing to do because you're Iranian. You have extra luggage. You have to pay. You know what I mean? I'm bringing an example of, again, you know, sometimes when, when, uh, when things are being, uh, uh, like, there's nothing to do with the racist or, but because, they're implementing that law of that, let's say, you know, let's say traffic, you know, you're giving you ticket. Mm -hmm. Oh, because I look Asian, you know, like, that's what, they, no, you speed that you have to get, you know what I mean? Sometimes, or self, because of being this, hearing that everybody, you know, has been discriminated, has been racist, we just take it, anything as a... People are assuming that something is xenophobic or racist because... Because um, of their look. Right. Because of their... I don't mean always, you know, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not, you know, it's just like police, you're speeding, you're giving a ticket. Right, so. okay. Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on this, Jimmy? Uh, okay, I have to say personally, I don't, but because of my work, I get to know many people's, their issues, right? Mm -hmm. So we we don't work, but we support a group that's called 123 ABC, and they support uh, anti-racism, like mm -hmm. Asian racism, these issues. So when they receive, they have a hotline and also email address. So when, when they receive these inquiries, they refer to me because I can also assist these people in Chinese language. So, um, then I got opportunities to talk to each one of them. And then I found, uh, uh very close to what Fred just said. That's the confusion. They don't necessarily intentionally report a false claim. It's actually, they don't know whether this is so-called racist kind of behavior by, of course, others. And then, and then, so they have no idea. So, uh, they kind of think this is maybe related to me and, uh, yeah. but is that racism? I don't know. So let me report maybe to this website and mm -hmm. then hear what they say. Then they, pat, you know, and they relay the message to us and then we find them lawyers and find them like legal appointments. But I can tell, and there are instances like, you know, there's one lady in Richmond who was actually assaulted physically. And I, I have no excuse. And this is definitely like uh, hate crime because the person attacked, uh, I mean, uh, the lady, they, they don't know each other, right? And then it's physical assault from the back 
So this is a kind of, you know, a little bit, uh, not only a little bit, it's not acceptable in Canada. So, um, but in other cases, when it's confrontational, and, but it's more on individual kind of, a, you know, personal kind of a, uh, kind of conflict, right? And then, right. so I wouldn't exaggerate and then make an inference. This is like universal. This is a kind of a, uh, you know, uh, xenophobic. And then, no, I would say, okay, your case, you can file a complaint and let's see what your institute, like a school and then what they say, mm -hmm. or you file a complaint to the police commission and let them, you know, investigate and see what happened. But generally speaking, uh, there are few, uh, uh, are, they do, like, have few instances that related to hate crimes, related to xenophobic kind of, uh, uh, experiences. But generally speaking, there are also other, uh, kind of these inquiries and the reports. Um, most of them, they're confused. Right. And I've noticed that, uh, when it comes to human rights complaints, for yeah. instance, there's a burden of proof that is required when when it comes to making a claim that someone has been xenophobic, racist. Right, right. Um, I've mostly experienced this when it comes to transphobic instances where you you might even know that that's where someone was coming from uh, in your heart and go, you know, I, I know that this was because I am X, Y, Z, mm. but I can't prove it. Right. Um, so have you noticed that as well, where someone is very adamant, I have experienced xenophobia, I've experienced racism, um, they're just lacking the ability to, to seek recourse because they don't have the proof. I think so. And, uh, but however, generally speaking, for those cases, it wouldn't be like that many. So in a year, I would say maybe 10 kind of a uh, cases. And then, uh, that's why I said it, it, I welcome like all kinds of inquiries. I don't want, uh, pushed, you know, all these, uh, a judgment or screening to 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 clients themselves and say, oh, this is you know xenophobic, or this is uh, my individual case, and that's maybe racism, or this is just different treatment. And uh, I would say, just welcome. Like, if you have concerns, address your concerns. Maybe we answer and then provide you the right information. That's part of like an education to them, so that they can build confidence mm -hmm. and also, uh, you know, and then get. A, rid of the, the confusion. Yeah. Right. And do you think that there's certain demographics of people that are more likely to perpetuate xenophobia? Or is it just sort of a common experience among the human population as a whole that no, this, this exists? And no, I think they talk about, you know, being what, in different parts of? I, I mean, I think you could say, you know, are, is xenophobia primarily um, perpetrated by white people? For instance, no. or is it no. just kind of common no, amongst all, all I, people? I don't feel that way. I would honk that gentleman who drove the car and to loud music, and then am I uh, kind of a xenophobic? No, right? And then even that person, let's say, I don't know, but looks like East Asian, I probably would do the same, right? And then I would say, just, you know, how can you drive in this way? That's not safe, right? And mm -hmm. uh, just doing so, am I xenophobic? No, I don't think so. So it's not really limited to no, certain race. I wouldn't I'm just wrong. connect xenophobic to race. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a, you know, the same kind of, we run into the same kind of endless and also kind of the vicious circle, right? You and blame yeah, you, someone, yeah, and then blame someone based on race, right? right. But racialized. It's coming that. from the older people, older, I don't believe so. I haven't no. seen anything. Because, you know, there's a, some people say, you know, older people are more. You haven't noticed that. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think that it's possible to end xenophobia entirely? Or is it just sort of human nature to view differences among people and treat yeah. people differently based on those is differences? Is it good to, do, to end? I don't think you can end it, but mm -hmm. you can reduce it. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's so, through the education yeah, you that you're talking about. Completely eliminated. I, I hope, but I don't see in future. Right. But to, uh, to reduce it, yes, by education. Again, you know, I very emphasize on education yeah. more than anything else because I believe that's the... And education doesn't mean you have to go to university to be educated. You know, education is general, you know, just right. to, in conversation, in broadcasting like that, in... Yeah. You know, stuff like that. We talk about that on every episode of our podcast, how it requires education to... to yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean of education. If mm -hmm. Fred focuses on education, I would probably stress on communication. Communication. I think even you cannot communicate well. I'm talking about like, you know, there's sometimes language barrier. Mm -hmm. You still need to communicate. Because even you hate each other, but then you can talk to each other. You probably will find out, well, we're maybe not talking. We probably are not talking about the same thing. Right, right. Yeah. Finding common ground yeah. with people. Yeah, yeah. No, not necessarily compromise. I'm just saying when you are angry about certain things, and not necessarily that person, when you could talk, you will find like you may be talking even totally different things. Right. Right. Yeah. You think someone's angry it's about a one thing, but they're angry right. About just talk else. to that person. Yeah. Right. So even, you know, in an angry kind of environment still, I, I encourage communication, sometimes even confrontation, but not physical kind of, a, you know, contact. But I mean, talk mm -hmm. to the person. Yeah. Uh, so we're sort of coming to the end of the questions that I had pre-prepared. Uh, at this point, is there anything that either of you want to bring up related to the topic of xenophobia that we haven't already talked about, but you think is important to, to discuss? You know, I mean, I think everybody should try to make it start, first of all, start from yourself to, to, and your family, to kingdom, which everybody's saying. I don't think you ever can eliminate completely, but you can reduce it then. And that's the goal. That, that's the goal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good enough. I just want to share the experience like a few, probably a month ago, and I was interviewed by CBC because there was an accusation about an Ontario MP saying like, you know, should detain like two Michaels much longer, right? I, I and, came across that when I was researching for this podcast, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so I, um, and then I later on the same day, I spoke to three different groups. And I found like people are in their own bubble and very, it's very interesting. Uh, at lunchtime, there are, uh, they're all Canadians, been here long enough, but, but they're not necessarily in this case. I don't want to racialize it, but it's, they're not Caucasian like Canadian. But, mm -hmm. but then, uh, they didn't even pay attention to that, right? They were talking about business. They were talking about, you know, uh, um, projects and uh, community events. And that's one group. And then I, also spoke in the dinner time, like um, a, a Chinese, uh, it's a wedding, so I was there. And then the Chinese are not even paying attention. They, they actually are paying attention to a totally different kind of a Chinese icon in New York, billionaire got detained, and then because of fraud, about uh, $1 billion or something, or mm. $10 billion, $1 billion, sorry. Yeah, and so, and I found like, okay, and, uh, uh, and also uh, the next day I, sp I had a 
breakfast with a, a former colleague and who has retired. And then uh, he uh, actually paid attention and said, I listened to that radio and then asked me about, you know, the impact and also uh, my uh, feeling and also my experience about the so-called foreign interference or something. So what I'm saying is like, that's why I, I'm, I'm trying to say communication is so important, right? You have so important subject and then it seems like communities, they don't pay enough attention. Mm -hmm. And also when you don't pay it enough attention, then some stories, I'm not saying all stories, some stories can be falsely kind of a, um, um, public or bro broadcast or, or, or promoted, right? And then at least that accusation for the moment, I think I choose to trust, you know, uh, uh, Johnson and then his conclusion. I don't have, you know, privileged information, but that's the best I can get. So what I'm saying is there is some, uh, uh, some important subject and then related to Canadian interest. And then it's important to communicate that, to get to know each other. And the many immigrants, including Iranians and Chinese and Koreans, they come to Canada because they like the country, not because they come here to, you know, completely uh, and transform and also even um, change the country into a dictatorship. That, that's not their in, intention at all. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes they may behave kind of a differently. And uh, uh, I'm not asking like a universal kind of a blanket of, an, uh, of either a, a kind of a forgiveness or even uh, accommodate all their bad behavior. I'm just saying like sometimes they are different, but through time, then they can change. And so it's important for us to encourage them to actually embrace the change because it's good for them and good for Canada. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so the way I like to end all of our podcasts okay. is giving our audience something that they can do. So usually what we say is, how can our audience help? And uh, when it comes to xenophobia, it sounds like the goal is trying to reduce xenophobia in our society. So what can our audience do to help reduce xenophobia in our society? Again, educate yourself, mm -hmm. educate other people, talk to the people, show I mean, that's all we can do. I don't know. I mm -hmm. don't have any other suggestion. Are there opportunities maybe to volunteer within uh, your organizations and help yeah, out that sure. way? You can yeah. help with the organization. You can help with any organization. You can help with the, I mean, yeah. To, to. I think that's a good suggestion. I think uh, when we talk about these subjects, usually sometimes it can be um, somehow a little bit uh, political, but it shouldn't, right? And then, uh, in this case, I would say encourage people to actually uh, participate and also talk to your neighbors and then say hi to them. And uh, because immediately you you probably will receive a, a smile, and then you can next time you can begin to talk to each other and get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And also culturally, I think embrace Vancouver. We are so privileged. Like we have Iranian foods, we have Korean food, and we eat like you can but pretty much every day pick a different kind of a restaurant. And so this is the beauty of multiculturalism. So a participate in cultural uh, uh, kind of uh, organizations and uh, events. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's less political, then we can live above yeah. politics. Like sometimes I find politics, um, yeah. you know, a little bit uh, too too much, right? And then, but if you can actually uh, enjoy the food, enjoy the culture and talk and uh, uh, your values, and uh, they're all very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I'm also on the board of the Vico Vancouver Interculture Orchestra. Oh, okay. The music of different culture, you know, yeah. come, you know, so, you know, I'm all of these. It's, it's, right. So check that out and uh, find yeah, out all these Vico different. Vancouver Interculture Orchestra, you know, like, well, they bring from different music, different theater, you know, all of these. It helps us to, to understand each other better. Absolutely. And I love that suggestion of just go out and talk to someone because yeah, the other yeah. day I, I walked out of my apartment, my neighbor is uh, from Russia and I just said hi. And uh, we ended up having a whole conversation about the war in Ukraine and how much she hates it because of how it's affecting people's image of her and uh, how she has family that are still over in Russia who are suffering because of this. And you just learn all sorts of things just by yeah. going out and saying hi to someone. Yeah. So appreciate that. I appreciate both of you coming on to talk Thank about you. xenophobia today. Thank you so much. Maybe next time you bring your poutine. <laughs> I know, I should bring some poutine next time. That's a good idea. That's one of my favorite foods. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, nice to see you. Great to see you and too. Everybody and then Thank you. Talk. Yes, yeah. absolutely. This has been a social justice podcast. Our topic today has been xenophobia. I've been joined by Fred Sufi and Jimmy Yan. I'm your host, Nicholas Berling, and I'll see you in the next one. You've been listening to a social justice podcast hosted by Nicholas Sperling, brought to you by The Flag Shop, and inspired by a social justice coloring book.